Good morning. Um, I will probably not do humor throughout, but maybe there's humor in here. I'm not sure. Um, I'm really, really excited to be here. I've been coming to this event for seven or eight years now, and I'm so inspired by all the speakers every time. One of the speakers, quite frankly, that I'm inspired the most by is always Casey. He just always comes up with the right words. It always touches me. And I think we as a community are blessed to have him as part of this. And I'd like to offer a round of applause to Casey right now. I also didn't realize what an amazing team of volunteers put this together. It's, it's, you wouldn't believe the logistics behind this. Um, so we are blessed to have so many folks that, that, that work on this for us. Uh, Casey and I were talking about what I was going to say today, and I told him that I could do either a five-minute version or a 45-minute version. I've done both. Which one do you want? And Casey said, I want the good one. And so I said, hmm, all right, I'll do the good one. And oh, by the way, it's going to be 20 minutes, he told me. So that's, that was kind of, kind of the, the, the ground rules. Um, so I, uh, I, I was thinking about you know, what I was going to say today. And uh, I was talking to some folks that are actually in the room that have heard me speak in other venues, smaller venues. And uh, you know, one of them said to me recently, you know, Ted, I've seen you speak before. Um, you got any new material? And I said, this is not stand-up comedy. Um, but God has given me some new stories. And so I have some, uh, some updates from this year because this year has been a pretty incredible year for me. And it really has been a part of my, my Christian walk. Um, my Christian walk started as a kid up in New York. Um, where I grew up, uh, but it really matured greatly over the, over the past uh, 20 years. And I'd ask you, just as a starting point, if everybody in the room, just, just think of where you were. Think about December 2005, actually December 15th, 2005. December 15th, 2005 at 10 a.m. If you know where you were at that point in time, raise your hand. I can tell you exactly where I was. Oh, it was a couple hands, actually. Um, I can tell you exactly where I was. I was about eight miles away as the crow flies over at uh, Fair Oaks Hospital. I was in the admitting uh, area with my wife, Laurel. She was getting ready to go in for a procedure, a chemotherapy procedure. Uh, she'd done it once before and it almost killed her. And the doctor said to me, Mr. Davies, for this one, you really uh, probably want to spend the night with her just to make sure that you know, everything goes okay. And so we were there in the admitting area getting ready to get checked in and my cell phone rings. It was uh, pre-Apple, so it was an old flip phone back then. Uh, but it was my sister in New York. And my sister said, Teddy, uh, you, you got to come up to New York today. I'm like, why? She said, well, mom's not going to make it through the day. Mom is, uh, my mother had cancer, and my sister was imploring me to come up. Um, and I had my wife going in for a procedure and my mom in New York. And I told her, I got to call you back. I'm going to tell you how that turned out, but I'm not going to tell you yet because that was a turning point in my life. That 48-hour period changed me forever. But quite frankly, I'd already been changed by an earlier turning point. And so when I got to that place, I knew what I needed to do immediately. So just to rewind the tape all the way back, grew up in New York, went to school in Pennsylvania, migrated to D.C., married my college sweetheart. I bought a house in the suburbs, started a career driving up the government contracting and, and consulting world, um, had the dog, no cats, just dog, uh, two kids, two beautiful kids. One of them happens to be in the audience today. Um, and, and I just had a blessed life. I was, I was rocking and rolling. Life was great for about 40 years. And you know, all of a sudden, somewhere in there, uh, I realized, it wasn't all of a sudden, actually gradually realized that 
my career trajectory was taking me here, and my marriage was going this way. And as hard as I fought to pull those two together into one path, it was getting overwhelmingly hard to do. And I remember distinctly early in 2002, driving over to my church. I go to Vienna Presbyterian Church and, and went in and I prayed with one of the ministers. I said, I, I don't know what to do. And thankfully, he didn't tell me what to do. He just prayed with me. And I went outside and I sat in the parking lot or actually on the street right next to the old chapel there. And I prayed some more. And I prayed really hard. And I got to the point where God didn't yell at me. There was no booming voice. There was no song on the radio that told me what to do. But somewhere in my heart, I was absolutely settled on the fact that my family was going to need me, that there was going to be a point ahead that I needed to be with my family, and I needed to value that first. So I went into work. I was a partner at a, at a major consultancy, and I resigned on the spot. And, uh, you know, it was a very tough decision. Remains probably one of the toughest decisions in my entire life, a turning point in my life. And for those of you who think that, you know, if you get to something bad and you just resign, that's, that's what you need to do. I would not advise that every time. I would say that that was something that was probably right for me at the time, but I went home, and I have fun stories about this. I, I went home and proudly told my wife that I was going to put her first, and, and I had resigned, and, and she asked, well, how'd you get to that decision? I said, I went to church, and I found one of the ministers, and we prayed, and, and, and that's the decision I made. She said, well, you better get back to church, find that minister, have him pray with you about what your next job's going to be because you've got to support this family. Um, so that was kind of how that went. And it was a rocky couple of years. It was a rocky couple of years. We pieced things back together again. I, uh, I, I, found my, I found my footing again in my career, went on to work for a major technology company, uh, found a great environment, and uh, that was very, very fortunate because uh, as that period unfolded, uh, Laurel developed um, <clears throat> what was later diagnosed as lupus. Lupus is a horrible autoimmune disease. It affects all parts of your body, uh, very unpredictable, ups and downs, nights in the hospital, you don't know what's going to happen. So that period between 2000, early 2002 and December 2005 were very, very challenging years. Um, and so when I got to that turning point in my life, in, in December, on December 15, 2005, I'd already been informed by going through the turning point I had in 2002, which was to turn to God. So after I hung up the phone talking to my sister, I went and checked Lorella in, got her settled in her room, and I went out and found a very quiet area, and I prayed hard. And I prayed desperately, what do I do? And just like earlier, uh, I really had a settled feeling that I should be there with my wife and that mom will be okay. It's going to work out. And so I called my sister, told her what I was going to do, went back in, uh, spent the day and the night with Laurel. It was a tough night, but she made it through okay. Her dad came the next morning to be with her. I went home and checked in, made sure the kids were okay. Her mom was with the kids, got them off to school, hopped in the car, drove to New York, Got to New York, uh, they're an hour north of the city. Got to New York late afternoon on the, on the 16th now. And uh, my mom had been in bed all day. I uh, hadn't moved, hadn't talked, nothing. She was out. And uh, I remember this 24 hours later uh, from when my sister told me to, to get up there. And I got there and I kissed my mom on the forehead. Um, she opened her eyes. And not only opened her eyes, but started to want to put her arms around me. And she hugged me. 
And it was clear to me that she wanted to even sit up. And we, we sat up. And then she wanted to stand up. And I stood next to her bed with her in my arms for about 30 seconds. Didn't say a word. Neither of us said a word. Quiet hug, rocking back and forth. I laid her back down. We sat with her through the evening. And she died in the middle of the night. So 48-hour period between Virginia and New York. And as I drove home the following day, I was just rocked by God's grace and what my faith in Jesus Christ had allowed me to go through and be in both places that I needed to be when seemingly I needed to be at two places at once. So the story continues into February of 2006 now. Uh, my dad was also suffering from lung cancer. And another call from my sister, uh, hey, got to come up. Um, he was uh, not quite as bad as my mom, but he was going in the wrong direction. And I went up to spend time with him uh, in a hospital, and he was kind of stable but going down. And the doctor said, hey, Mr. Davies, this is probably not going to work out well. It's not tomorrow, but it's pretty soon. And uh, I went home that night to the house that I grew up in and laid on the couch and, again, cried out to God. And this time it was more of a plea. It was a, I can't do this. I cannot lose mom. Dad, Laurel, I, I can't handle this, God. And it was, it was begging. You know, I was out and out begging. Um, after a while, I eventually fell asleep and woke up the next morning and, again, had the feeling that God would provide. You know, the, 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 the verse that says, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans for a future. It, it resonated with me. And I, and I thought, things will, I'll, I'll be okay. Spent some time with my dad, went back to Virginia. Um, over the coming weeks, my dad slowly recovered and actually stabilized. And the doctors said, this is really miraculous. This, this, this uh, medicine we have on, we don't know why it's working, but it is working. And I was blessed because on June 10th, 2006, my wife died. And my dad was there for me. My dad was there for me during the rocky period leading up to it, the period after that, and for the years that followed, my, my father was there. Now, to be clear and, and to, to add to this, Laurel's folks are wonderful people, and they're like second parents to me, and they were there for me as well. And whatever times you're in, when you're in turning points and tough times, there are people in your life that will come around you if you only look for them. And there's friends and family in the room that were around me, and, and I was overwhelmingly blessed during that period of time. So as I said, I, I had moved on to, uh, to uh, Unisys, um, and uh, I was running a division there, and things were going well. Um, kind of looking at what the next steps ought to be for me. Um, and ended up uh, meeting, a, meeting a lady, my current wife, Carla, who's in the audience, and was blessed to, uh, to marry her uh, in 2009 in the chapel at Vienna Presbyterian, next to which I had prayed years ago about what to do about those, that turning point in my life. And... It was a blessing to me for a lot of reasons, but one of them was that my dad was right there with me, and he had seen me through that entire period. And three months later, my dad died. And I really felt, now this is selfish, but I really felt like God had provided something to me. Now, he has a bigger plan, obviously, but having my dad through that period, getting to know Carla, and uh, being a rock with me was, was a blessing, an absolute blessing. God had provided what I needed during that period in my life. So the last 10 years have been great, mostly, mostly up, mostly really good. I, I ended up uh, moving on to do something with private equity, uh, the company I'm with today, Altamira Technologies. Um, I'd done 
privately held companies. I've done publicly traded companies now, and now I wanted to try something different. Um, learned a lot over the last five years. Um, but lest you think that, that God is ever done with you, um, 2018 was an interesting thing, time for me. And actually the last 18 months or so, up until today, and I'm still in this, this process here. Um, you know, it's been challenging because primarily because through all the periods of my life, all the trauma that, that I had with losing people very close to me and, and other things that had happened, I was always blessed with very good health. I've been fortunate to be able to kind of power my way through just about everything. Well, in 2018, that changed. I have um, what's called AFib, atrial fibrillation. And it was sporadic for a while. 2018, it became persistent, meaning it's all the time. So by the spring of 2018, my heart was just not firing right, a really off rhythm. And it got to the point where I really couldn't sleep. Uh, exercise was way off. Uh, fatigue, just sharpness. It was, it was a hard, hard year, 2018, all the way through. Tried everything from acupuncture to yoga to medicine to everything to try and get it back into a rhythm and couldn't do it. Um, finally, in March of this year, I had what's called an ablation, uh, where you lay on a table, they stick stuff in through veins into your heart, there's a camera, there's a laser, they rewire all the electric, they zap different parts of it. You know, four hours later, they wake you up and they lay you down for a while and they send you home. And I was blessed to have great doctors and great medicine and it really did help me. I felt a lot better. But they tell you, go home and, and be settled. Be, be quiet. Don't, you know, don't uh, put a lot of stress on yourself. And, you know, for the first few days, really nothing. First couple of weeks, pretty quiet. And then, you know, from there, you'll settle back out over the next 90 days. Well, that would have been all well and good, except for the fact that that was the exact time when my private equity partners decided we were going to go to market and sell the company. Now, um, if you've ever been around an exit or, a, or an acquisition, you know that that's a very strenuous time for the management team. And actually, for the CEO, it is probably the most strenuous time because you're in the fulcrum point between trying to run a business, keep people happy, uh, make sure everything's going okay. You have prior investors, you have whatever's next on the other side, and you're trying to keep all that together. And we went through a really, really um, complex and, and, and challenging process at the same time as I was supposed to be taking it easy. And hey, guess what? I knew where to turn. And I spent nights praying. But this time, I added to this. This was a little different for me because I had grown a little bit in my, in my spiritual walk, in my relationship with Jesus. And I spent a lot more time with the Bible. And I would tell folks that I'd wake up at night, I couldn't sleep, I'd spend 45 minutes reading the Bible, and then I'd fall back to sleep. And I found the comfort and the, and the wisdom that comes from connecting to the Word of God being overwhelmingly powerful. And for those of you that have not spent time there, and I had not spent enough time there, I still haven't spent enough time there. I'm, I'm, I'm still spending more and more time there. But I would suggest pick up the Bible when you need to, need to really just chill out. Get off your social media. Don't go watching anything on TV. Don't read a bunch of junk. Pick the Bible up. The, the book of John is on everybody's table. Pick one of the Gospels, the four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Just read one of them. Story of Jesus Christ. Move on to the book of Acts right behind it. The story of the early church. And you'll be fascinated by the parallels between how the early church had to establish in the early days after Jesus' death. But this is what inspired me. I, I, I would spend time in the book, and I would spend time in prayer. And the problems that I had at work and the health challenge that I was trying to fight through, because there were a lot of ups and downs 
for the first three or four months after, after the, the procedure in March, they became things that I could manage. And I worked my way through it. And I learned something new, or I, re, I, I, I thought of something new as I came through this, kind of my new material for the day. Um, I had turning points earlier in 2002 and 2005 and 2006. Um, I found something new this time. I call it Box Canyon Moments. You know, those of you that see old Western movies, you see the, the hero riding off and the bad guys are chasing the hero and the hero runs around a corner. You think he's going to get away and he goes right into a big open canyon and there's walls everywhere and he can't get out. He's stuck. He didn't know what to do. Well, I rode into more box canyons in the last six months than I could ever, ever imagine. If Carla would know. I'd come home at night and say, like, another box canyon. I, I don't know where, I don't know how to get out of this, right? And I would fight and struggle and work to get out of it. And finally, I would realize the only way out of this canyon is to look up. And I'd look up, and miraculously, things would turn. A crack would open in the wall, and I'd figure out the next step. And it was overwhelmingly um, inspiring to be able to kind of think about it that way. So that's kind of the general story, the general trajectory. I'm going to kind of touch on a couple of lessons that I have, and um, whether I'm a consultant or a dad or whatever it is, I think in threes. So three is about all I can keep in my head, and I'm going to give you three things. If I boil all the last 20 years down into three things that I've learned, um, and they have to do with um, getting into these turning points with these box canyons. And, and turning points, by the way, as Casey kind of introduced, we're all in them. Some people in this room are in them right now. You've all been through them before, and we will all go through them again. You know, mostly when you're in a turning point, you don't necessarily know that you're in one. You certainly don't want to be there. They're mostly hard. They almost always involve other people. And most importantly, when you come out of that turning point, you are a different person than when you went in. And as I said, they can be discrete events or they can be periods of time. And that's the things that characterize those. And what I've learned when I'm in a turning point is three things. The first one is I don't control everything. You know, I love the, the phrase that you should work as if it's all up to you and you should pray as if it's all up to God. I work hard and I've gotten to the point now where, you know what, I don't control the outcome on this. I don't know what's going to happen on the other side. As we were looking at the next steps for the company, as a CEO, I didn't know if somebody was going to ask me to go home and sit on the bench. Somebody wanted me to continue. Somebody wanted to shove me in a role. I had no idea what was going to happen to me. But at the end of the day, I was going to work hard and let God take control of how it was going to turn out. Which leads me to my second lesson on this that I still work on today, is that it's not all about me. You know, in this, in this, uh, in this period of time, we have 400 employees. Um, whatever the outcome happened, it was, really was going to affect them and their families. It would in, affect investors and, and new people. It would infect our subcon affect our subcontractors and our customers. I mean, there were thousands of people that could be impacted by this. It wasn't all about me. And even though I'd wake up at night in a box canyon moment thinking, oh my gosh, uh, the process isn't going to culminate in a successful deal. It's going to look really bad on me. It isn't all about me. God had a plan, and it affected everybody. And we got an outcome that really, really was positive for everybody involved. But there were so many nights that I didn't think we were going to get there. The third one is that an acceptance that uh, I will use whatever platform God gives me to do what he wants me to do. And I talked to God about it and said, if you want me to continue on running a business and being able to have the platform to stand on a stage and talk about it, I will do that. If you want me to go home and 
mentor two people that need to be mentored, I'll do that. Whatever you want me to do, God, I will accept that. And I will tell you, throughout the year, as, as this became crystal clear to me, that these were the lessons that I should carry with me and, and lean on heavily for the rest of my life, I would convict myself over and over and over again that I wasn't doing it. You know, I'd have a bunch of nights I'd wake up and I'd be trying to control the outcome and worrying about me and, and, and not worrying about, and, and be like, Ted, can you listen to yourself? And I would, you know, go back and I'd read my favorite psalm is Psalm 25, to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul, oh my God, and you I trust. And I would read that over and over again. And I'd get to a point in the process where it would be out of control and I didn't know what was going to happen and I'd lean on the verse around, um, I will operate with integrity and uprightness while I wait for you. And, and again, going back to the words strengthened me and kept me in the right place. So, I don't control everything. It's not all about me. And I will accept whatever God wants me to do next. Those are the things that I try to live by now. And I would encourage you to reflect on your life. And if you can work in that direction, I will almost guarantee you, you will come through things in a better place. When you're in these turning points, if you also go in thinking about the fact that um, even though I don't want to be here, there's somebody that I need to meet during this point that I'm supposed to meet. There is some experience in here that I, that's going to shape me for my future. There's a door that's going to open that I would never even know was there unless I went through this. If you hang on to those things when you're in a hard place, for me anyway, it's really, really helped. And I'll kind of close with um, something that I, I always reflect on. My family and friends know I, I say this you know, quite a bit. Um, and it's based on something Albert Einstein said years ago. He said, life is like riding a bicycle. If you stop pedaling, you're going to fall off. And I, just, I love that, that visual on that. I, I love riding bikes, so it really resonates with me. Um, but uh, you know, my translation of that is to keep moving forward. When you're in tough times, you have to keep moving forward. And there's no, there's no two ways about it. Move forward and look up and rely on, rely on your God. Uh, there's an author, uh, John Ortberg, uh, pastor and author, he, he wrote a book, uh, The Me I Want to Be. It's a, it's a book about finding you know, your, your yourself and what you're supposed to do with your life. And, and I love the phrase. There's, there's a couple phrases in this book that, that strike me. First one that I love is, um, there is a God and it's not you. Remember that? Um, and the second one is, that God can't steer a parked car. So keep on moving and God will steer you in the direction he wants you to go. Just keep moving forward. It's been something that I've hung on to, something I've been blessed to be able to do. And God, my Lord Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit have been, me, been with me the whole way. That's my story. Thank you very much for coming today. <laughs>